Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's up, podcast world? It's Harry and I am back. Um, It's been a little while. I took my foot off the gas uh, with the second lockdown. Um, But I'm back. I've got a whole bunch of episodes to share with you with conversations with lovely, interesting and inspiring people. Um, This first one is my conversation with uh, Dana Max, the person behind the Be Happy Project, a huge online community that shares quotes and uh, motivation um, digitally through the airwaves. And um, I was inspired to get in touch with Dana Max because I commented on one of her posts and uh, it was just like a gratitude comment and someone else commented on my comment and it opened up a dialogue of generosity and support with complete strangers that really inspired me. So I thought this is something special. So I got in touch with Dana Max, never expecting her to reply from her huge Instagram account and she did. So this is the product of that, and I hope you really enjoy it. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to this latest series of, or, or just continuation, of um, my podcast output. Oh, that sounds a bit miserable. My podcast joy. Um, but yep, tune in, enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. So my first name is Dana Max. It's a little weird, but it's uh, Dana hyphen M-A-X-X. And I created the Be Happy Project. What what took you to it? Why did that bloom? Prior to starting the Be Happy Project, I had a women's fashion company in New York City. I had a showroom on 7th Avenue. We were on, you know, every celebrity publication, TV show. But unfortunately, it just got to a point where I could not compete against the big boys. And I had to make a very difficult decision to close my business. And it wasn't just a business to me. This was my dream since I was about seven years old. I still have sketches um, of clothing that I designed when I was seven. And it felt like I lost the love of my life. And it was so hard to grieve. And I learned through this that... Your happiness cannot be tied to someone else, a job promotion, uh, success, uh, a relationship. I started the Be Happy Project as a way to hold myself accountable. I came from a world where people's word, unfortunately, didn't mean much. And so I wanted something that, you know, had meaning and purpose. And my first post, I think, got like 20 likes. And it just grew organically from there. And I'm I'm so blessed to have a wonderful community. It seems like a super lovely community. I've even had sort of comment interactions on your posts before I guess reflective or emotional or just kind posts people are are quite happy to get surprisingly like openly intimate about where they're at and hop on someone else's comment and be like yo like you got this or like yo you know what worked for me this Mm -hmm. or whatever And, and that that's really exciting to have been able to create this sort of fertile ground for strangers to encourage one another. The people that I've met through it and just the community itself are just people that really want to heal, want to do the work on themselves. And I think it's amazing Mm. and incredible. 
Yeah. Congratulations. It, it's definitely sort of aspirational for me. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm creating this sort of little podcast. Oh, it's, no, it's an amazing what? podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it's an adventure for sure. I called it what for, because mm. that's the kind of the little bit of me that's sticking away being like, what's the point? Especially in these moments of quarantine, like, yep. or, or, or whether it's climate change or you're looking at Donald Trump or you're looking at Brexit or I don't know, some war in wherever it might be, Yemen right now. And you're like, what's the point? Um, <laughs> and the wonderful thing about the internet is that you can kind of excavate these little little corners of, of space where, where, where you can hopefully be meaningful. But anyway, I was going to say, so the, the first question that I that I usually start these conversations with, whether we're religious or we're not, or whether it's Greek myths or, I don't know, Peppa Pig, we all grow up with some kind of story that we tell ourselves or that we've been told from which we derive understanding or meaning or purpose. And I was wondering, what were the stories or story that you grew up with? Hmm, that's a great question. When I was seven, around the same time that I developed this this lifelong dream, I developed type 1 diabetes. And so for me, my identity starting at a young age was impacted because it was an invisible chronic illness that no one saw, but I felt defective. I was this vase that was broken. And it really impacted my mental health in a way that I never felt good enough for a really long time. And I was scared of what other people would think once they got to know me because I had situations where people bullied me for it or a boyfriend broke up with me because of it or teachers even who used it against me. I think me losing my dream, so to speak, too, was so tied strongly and deeply to my identity and worth and happiness because it started at such a young age. That's that's really powerful and, and tough. It's amazing that your vulnerability could then be adopted by an individual who, who would make you feel less. It's amazing to go into a space where, where you open up intimacy and vulnerability for other people on your platform yep. when obviously from a very young age, your own vulnerability was manipulated or exploited by others to, to, to make you feel lesser. I realized I cared so deeply about what people thought of me and people's perception of me. I went from having an invisible disease where I cared about what people thought of me if they found out into an industry where perception was everything. It was really hard coming from those things and stepping out of it and figuring out who I was without needing validation from others to not care what other people thought. Like, who cares if someone doesn't like me because I have a chronic illness like, or I have a Dexcom attached to me like I'm a robot? Like, who cares? Mm. Who cares that I failed at one point in my life? If you're living with compassion and gratitude and you're doing the right thing every day, I think that's all that matters. Yeah, I, I completely understand what you mean. And, and obviously that's, that's a hard space because... I mean, from the conversations we've had so far, you certainly strike me as like empathetic and, and open you to You too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's interesting. I've had a condition that's kind of affected me since I was 11. It's really interesting to hear you talk. It's very clear that you have an understanding that's, that's framed from experience of the story that you're telling. Like the, the who cares questions, is, it, it's such a funny thing because it's like, who cares? But then again, 
I I don't want to stop caring mm, and that tension yeah. learning how to how to walk that that tightrope is difficult because we have to protect ourselves but but we can't I was going to say what were the examples or moments of, of your life that showed you how to not care what people think but care what people feel mm, yeah I love that and not care what people think and care what people feel I love that a wonderful therapist got me through some of the the hardest points in my life and so I have like a toolbox that I use in situations that are very challenging or difficult and so I think that's one I have a great toolbox of information and responses built and cushioned on self-worth and then I think the second thing is internally I'm not so humble anymore because I'm like you know what that's amazing what I did. A lot of people have dreams and they don't even go after them. Totally. And, and, and I mean, you, you spoke of sort of a strong sense of this is who I am. Can you remember any moment where you, I mean, for me at least, there's there a moment where you went, oh, right, that's Dana Max. Like, that's, that's me. The name of my fashion company was Dana Max. So that's another reason why my my identity was so tied to the thing I was doing. And I suddenly had to figure out who Dana Max was without the spotlight. And um, I quickly realized like, and, and I think having a child makes you realize this too, that that stuff comes and goes. The longest relationship you'll ever have is with yourself. So I, I try to reflect on like how I would speak to a friend, how I would want a friend to speak to me, how, how I treat people is how I would want to treat myself. And so I really build on the foundation of having a solid relationship with myself first, because in, mm-hmm. in order for me to have a healthy, good relationship with my partner, with my daughter, with my family, with my friends, whomever, it needs to be built on authenticity on true love, on gratitude, and on forgiveness, too, I think is a big part of it. So I just, I always remind myself of, of who I am. And I, I think I'm really fucking cool. So I'm like, you know, <laughs> I do, you know, and it took me a long time to get to that place to, to say I am, you know, happy, I am uh, blessed, I am worthy. And so I'm able to do it now. And I'm able to remove toxic people from my life or not even attract it you know so Mm. it takes work though for sure it's really interesting to hear you say uh, treat yourself as you treat others it's almost like you'd assume Mm -hmm. that you'd be kind to yourself yeah and so you should treat others that way but but really it's so common that the last person you're genuinely kind to is yourself yourself. Mm mm-hmm as you said that, that really struck me. I, mean, know, really I, I agree with you. And you know what it is too? We all have a negative voice in our head. I like to call that negative voice the asshole roommate. We all have yeah. it. It's this person, this voice <laughs> that just tells you you're not good enough, that likes to remind you of your failures, that tells you you're not worthy, that you're a disappointment, whatever it is, and creates self-hate. Over the last few years, I've done the work to quiet this voice down. This voice was very loud in my head for a long time. And I've just said, you know what, sit down. Like I am worthy, I am lovable, whatever it is. And it's important to continue on that every day. And the minute you hear that voice come into your head, you have to quiet it down. 
because it will consume you, it will overwhelm you. And I think that's a lot of people face that. Do you remember when you first heard that voice? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, when I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, I remember I was at my pediatrician's office and the pediatrician pulled my, my parents were on their vacation, their first vacation in seven years, just the two of them. So my grandparents were there and the pediatrician pulled aside my grandparents and, you know, was updating my grandparents on what was going on. And I went up to the, the receptionist and whenever I would go in for an appointment, the receptionist would give me a lollipop and I went to go get the lollipop and the receptionist says, no, you can't have this anymore. And it was like the first, my, at least one of my first memories of feeling like, I, I remember I felt like, wait, am I not, because I didn't know what was wrong, why mm. I couldn't have it. And suddenly I wasn't good enough for this lollipop. You know, this thing that brought me happiness and joy. Um, it was something small, but as a kid, it's it's huge. So, you know, that was one of the first memories I have of being told I wasn't good enough, pretty much, for something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, again, it falls down to perspective um, mm -hmm. because it's not even like you're being told that. Yeah, um, exactly. By, by anyone other than the place your mind was positioned. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. as, a, as a child, like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's that's really thanks for sharing that. That's like a heartbreaking, heartbreaking moment. Like, but... You know, everything like you just said, everything is perspective, right? I have a friend who's type one diabetic for as long as I am. Since we were like younger, I, I met her when I was about eighteen. She's worn her pump out. She she did not care what anyone thought, and I was like exactly the opposite of that. I would hide everything. A another kid could have been in that situation and could have been like, oh, well, that's okay. You know, I don't need the lollipop, but for my personality, um, I didn't, because I didn't understand, and I think you can relate to this. I wanted to understand like, why, why can't mm. I have that? You're not telling me that. Um, I suddenly felt like I was not good enough. Completely. I don't know how it kind of manifests with, with you. The way you're speaking is very put together and, and you have a, a narrative that, and, and a network that supports you. Are there times still, I mean, with, with my condition at least, I, there are still times where like, I can't, for example, I make documentaries. There's been times where I, where I haven't been able to keep, stay on set because, because I, I, I just can't. Like, I'm, like I'm, I just start having a seizure. Although I've done the intellectual work, there's still a pain there of being like, why can't I keep up? Mm. Like, I, I, and then anger. Yep. That fire still... Your story very much echoes with mine. Like, I know I'm loved. I know I have a network. I know I'm valuable. But do you still have those inferno moments might be the way I describe it? I love that inferno moment. I could definitely a thousand percent relate to what you're saying. And yes, absolutely. I mean, there are, I remember one time was just a few years ago where I was on, I, I work in sales and I was on a sales call. And I remember my I was my blood sugar went so low. So when my blood sugar is super low, I can barely function properly. And I'm sitting there. My boss is standing there. It was a brand new job I had, and my I was getting my blood sugar readings on my phone, and my phone kept going off, like buzzing, alerting me, like you're low, you're low, do something about it. And it was mortifying, and it was mortifying on so many different levels because it was a new job. My boss is standing there, totally judging me. I'm not able to f perform as I know I'm capable of. My mind is like 
a big cloud, you know, it's just all these different things. This noise is going off and you can sense like the person on the other end of the phone is hearing it. And it's mm. just, I mean, it was a moment where I was like, oh my God, I, and I suddenly realized like, I need to do something about those moments. So there mm. are certain things we can control, you know, I can tell someone, Hey, I have this condition, you know, I need five minutes or, you know, I could have done that. I could have told my boss, like, Hey, I have this and my blood sugar is super low. I can't get on the call right now. Can you give me whatever? So there, you know, some of our choices come into play and other times it is out of our control. And, and I'm aware of that. I'm sure you, you can relate to that. I've learned to just acknowledge that it's okay. I'm going to have times where I'm not at my best. I can't perform my best. I can't do my best. I can't feel my best because I have a condition. And that's okay. As I've gotten more comfortable in that, you know, if I, I remember I had another job years back and I told someone, I found one person who worked there that I felt safe sharing that information with in case I couldn't go to a meeting or, you know, I didn't feel well and I needed to get a snack or whatever it was. We have to make a conscious decision to some extent to protect ourselves and to be honest with people. Completely. I understand that sort of. reluctance to speak because you don't want to be the diabetic girl like you just Mm -hmm. just want to be you and and that's a and it's it was interesting hearing you explain the earliest frustration you spoke of then was like uh you couldn't two things one you knew you were you like you couldn't perform to the level you're capable of Mm -hmm. and then there's also the, the space of you couldn't explain why like being understood and caring what people thought in that moment, too. Yeah. I mean, I had the person on the phone, and then I had my boss standing over me. And so yeah, it was cool. like, I felt everyone was judging me, and so I was judging myself, really. And what gives you, in this sort of mix of, of new global challenges and also personal challenges, what gives you faith to keep pushing forward? Hmm. I believe that there's something bigger than myself out there. Seeing my daughter's face, I mean, she's pure joy and light. And just reminding myself, like, if I have a bad day or something, I just look at my daughter and I just remind myself that, you know, really nothing matters except for her. I was wondering if there was a cause that you feel most connected to and and you direct most of your energy towards slash get most of your energy from? I think what makes me feel really energized is connecting with the Be Happy Project community. And every message that I get from someone that is, hey, you know, your page really inspires me or your page helped me get through this or a quote helped me, makes me feel like I have a higher purpose and meaning in this world. If I can get like one person to find joy, to move past something that was debilitating, to clear their mind and look at something in with a new mindset, that's amazing because it all adds up. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. That's, it's amazing to have a source of feedback that is is so direct. And like you say, that's kind of the wonder of social media again that there is literally a space where someone can be like this thing that you did yeah it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) yeah and even if it's one person that's what I realized too like you know coming from an industry where perception was everything like who cares even if it's one person you manage to impact 
that one person's life, even if it was for a moment. So that's pretty incredible. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I told you it was wonderful. She's so fab, and I hope you really enjoyed it. Um, I've got a whole bunch of episodes to come out over the coming weeks, so keep your ears peeled. Um, I mean, eyes peeled is actually kind of gross, too. Keep an eye out, yeah, um, or an ear out, or whatever appendage you want to get out. Um, and see you next time. Thank you so much and stay happy.